Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Hey, I'm going to tell you a joke, so check this out. Knock, knock. Actually, that doesn't really work in this format, does it? Because you can't hear, uh, you can't say who's there, and then I can so, oh, Never mind. Uh, let me try this one instead. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. Yep. Uh, yeah. You can, if you can tell, I'm, I'm a dad. My, my kid's not really old enough to do jokes yet, but uh, he still just thinks farts are really funny. And I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, on the wrong side of forty, and I think farts are funny. So we get along great, me and him, my three-year-old. Anyway, welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. I am Jim Heskett, author of the Micah Reed series, the Whistleblower Trilogy, the Five Sun Saga Dystopian series, the Lane Parish series. Uh, did I say Micah Reed? Yeah, the Micah Reed series. Um, some short story collections called Stories to Read While Driving and More Stories to Read While Driving, the mystery novel Reagan's Ashes, as well as some other short stories and little bits and pieces of stuff out there. I'm also a nonfiction author, the author of the book The Juggling Author, um, which goes into how I write so much so fast while I've got so much going on in my life. And um, that's a little bit of my resume. What about you? Here, I'll, I'll leave a couple blank minutes here so you can explain your resume. Just kidding. Um, but if you want, you can pause and you can talk. You know, if you're driving in your car, if you're commuting, you can go ahead and say your resume and pause the podcast. I'll wait. Really, you did all that stuff. I'm impressed. Anyway, I'm just kind of rambling here to fill up time. Um, today, we're going to read chapter 18, Museum Attack. And there's only a couple chapters left, and then we'll have a little bonus thing at the end. Ooh, what could the bonus thing be? You're just going to have to wait and find out. If you want to follow the show, and uh, get more information, you can go to jimheskett.com forward slash thriller podcast. That's where you can find all out all about the show, including where you can subscribe to it. Also, you can find the Thriller Fiction Podcast on Facebook. And um, I used to do a Twitter, but Twitter's so dumb. I hate Twitter. Um, I don't keep up with it. Like You can follow me on Twitter at Jim Heskett, but I'm never there, dude. I hate Twitter so much. Anyway, that's not important. Um no offense if you like Twitter, you know, it's just, it's not for me. All that constant blah, 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 like, say a tweet lasts for like six seconds. Well, then what's the point? What's the point if it lasts for a few? Anyway, uh, I'm going to shut up now because I've been rambling too much. And today we're going to read chapter 18. So let's go ahead and get into that. The elevator doors opened onto the fourth floor. Lane stepped out with his M4 raised. Two invaders, both with backs turned, were investigating the ones Lane had shot a few minutes earlier. He pressed the trigger and cut them both down where they stood. Squinting, he'd aimed for their necklines above their body armor. He was getting better at targeting around it. It only took him a couple quick taps of the trigger to kill them both. And, he noted, killing had once again become easy. Muscle memory. Aside from the adrenaline, he no longer felt the jolt of uneasiness he'd experienced when stabbing the man in the neck. Killing used to feel like slipping on a warm sweater on a cold night. Now it was like a foreign movie with subtitles. Once they'd both fallen, he drew the Beretta and approached them, put a bullet in each of their heads just to be sure. Then he waited for the ringing in his ears to subside. He heard no other voices on this floor. He debated searching the smaller rooms, but decided against it. 
With all the chaos, they'd be front and center, talking to each other, running around, making noise and giving away their positions. He stepped back into the elevator and rode it to the fifth floor. No one there. Same on the sixth floor and the seventh floor. Not likely for them to be hiding, and if they were, they wouldn't be much of a threat. So he then worked his way back down. On the third floor, he left the elevator to see an invader sitting against the far wall in the lobby, a knife jutting from his neck. He was still alive, trying to bat at it, legs quivering, blood pouring from his mouth, the life draining out of him. After a few seconds, his attempts to remove the knife slowed and then stopped. Odd. Lane hadn't done this. Lane? He spun, raising the rifle. Sarah was there, leaning around the corner, holding her hands out in front of her face. Lane pointed at the dying man. You did this? She nodded and then crossed the room and lifted the M4 strap over his head. I ran because I heard the elevator. But, she hefted the M4, I came back for this. I tried to take a weapon off one of the dead on four, but couldn't get to them before the others came in after me. She ejected the magazine and peered at it, then shoved it back in. Without a word, she retracted the charging handle, shoved it forward, and then tossed the shoulder strap over her head. She held the weapon against her chest with a finger alongside the trigger. Lane raised an eyebrow. You're not a marketing intern, are you? I am now, yes. But I was an army ranger before that in another life. Hmm, he said. And you didn't think to tell me that when I met you earlier? She shrugged. I didn't trust you then. Plus, I figured you wouldn't live long enough for me to need to tell you. He offered a sarcastic grin. Thanks for the vote of confidence. You're not telling me who you are, so I don't feel too bad about it. True, he said. But you know I have combat experience. I do. We're both armed now, but we're still outnumbered. Do you have a plan? Not really, he said. I've checked the floors above us, and they're all clear. I was going to take the elevator down to the second floor and then the first. There's no one on the second floor. They're all gathered in the lobby. Going to take all hostages up to four now, since they know we're hunting for them. You've caused quite a bit of havoc in the last few minutes. They're feeling it. How many have you killed, he asked. Just this one. It was hard without a weapon. What about you? I'm not sure. Five or six. I think there are still eight or maybe nine left. Inside, I mean. I have no idea how many there are outside. She nodded at the elevator. You take that. I'll take the stairs. I don't know if you are who I think you are, but I can see you know how to handle yourself. Just try not to shoot me in the lobby. I'll see what I can do, he said. She didn't seem to think his joke was funny. He didn't either and had no idea why he'd said it. She made no reply, but it didn't matter because she turned and raced toward the stairs. He found himself standing alone, just him and a dead terrorist, and no time left to figure out a plan. This was it. Lane faced the elevator. Then he noted the space below the rifle's barrel for a grenade. He fished around the belt he'd stolen from the dead man and found one. It was like a fat bullet, gold-tipped. He inserted it into the grenade launcher and then pressed the elevator button. He stood back and waited for it to arrive. The floor indicator dinged and it opened to an empty elevator car. He stepped inside, pressed the one button, and then waited. He watched his reflection in the mirror lining the ceiling. He looked like a grunt, like the person he used to be when he was a shadow soldier in a government agency that bore no name. Droplets of blood dotted his face like freckles. He could trace the line of the smear from Jasmine's finger like war paint across his brow.
he thought of Cameron, his perfect three-year-old daughter, how she was probably sitting on the floor at his ex-wife's house right now, squeezing pink and purple Play-Doh through the Play-Doh factory contraption, giggling all the while. The elevator descended. His stomach shifted as it sped up and then slowed. He felt himself rising from his feet a fraction of an inch. His guts squirmed. Then the doors opened into the ground floor lobby. He arrived just in time to see Sarah come screaming down the stairs, spraying her M4 in every direction, controlled bursts peppering the area with chaos. The invaders were trying to take cover, struggling to get their bearings and return fire. Lane burst out into the lobby. He raised the M4 and surveyed the room. The hostages had all been swept over to one side, near the gift shop, a cluster of men standing in front of them. Lane aimed and fired at the one invader who was now unprotected. Lane nailed him in the arm, and the man lowered his rifle, stared at the hole in his shirt. Lane shot him again, tagging him in the armpit. He dropped and crawled around on the floor, trying to get away. A few of the others noticed Lane and changed from firing at Sarah to targeting him. She tagged two of them as soon as they turned their heads. Lane dove behind a concrete platform housing one of those furniture warrior sculptures. Bullets blew chunks of the pedestal into the air. Nothing hit him, but he was trapped by their continuous gunfire. Bullets whizzed by on either side of the pedestal. The firing ceased a second later and Lane popped up to take more shots. Sarah streamed into the middle of the room and Lane could see she was aiming for the base of another statue to use as cover. Her short legs took quick strides, her face screwed up and her arms swinging the M4 back and forth as she ran. But she never made it. A line of bullets cut up the middle of her body, punching holes in her stomach, then chest, then head. As her little frame twisted, Lane wondered why she hadn't taken body armor from the dead guy. The last shot made her slip backward, the M4 flying out of her hands as she crumpled to the ground. She raised an arm into the air, grasping at it. Another round of bullets pelted her and the arm dropped to her side. Lane was all alone now, and the invaders knew it. A half dozen of them turned to face him, rifles raised. Ladies and gentlemen, that is chapter 18 of Museum Attack, and we've made it through together. I think you should feel proud of yourself because you have withstood almost this entire book. I know it's super intense and there's only one more chapter, so I'm going to get out of here so you guys can go get about your day and start to think about how excited you are for the next episode, which will be coming out soon. Thanks, guys, and have yourself a wonderful day. And, you know, next time you see your mail person, uh, your mailman or your mail lady, uh, you know, say hi. Say, how's your day going? All right, take care. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.